Well, welcome everyone to a very different Restoration House evening. Now, normally we have worship and then we have a talk and then we have uh, a panel and dialogue, but this evening's different. Uh, we're going to explore identity and sonship and we're going to have two seminars from Peter Jackson and then go into breakout groups and discussion and feedback. So it's more like a, a seminar uh, than our usual meeting, but I'm sure we enjoy it very much. So I'd like to introduce Peter, who's going to just say a little bit about himself and where he's from, uh, and then we'll go into session number one. So welcome, Peter. Would you like to just introduce yourself? Thanks, Christine. Yeah, it's great to connect with you guys. And I, um, yeah, just a little bit of my background. Um, in 1983, my wife and I uh, went down to Martinsville, Indiana, for what we thought was going to be a 10 week father heart school with Jack Winter, if anybody remembers Jack Winter. And at the end of that, that 10 weeks, we realized, wow, this is more than a message. <laughs> this is, this is a lifestyle. And, uh, you know, you, you can be learning all the time with your mind and, and and your heart shut down. And what I realized in that school was that I had a lot of head knowledge, but not too much heart knowledge. And, you know, I'm still realizing that. I think I, cause I've, I've been traveling uh, over the last 30 years and uh, this time of being home in COVID, it, it was like, a, okay, let's just spend a lot of time just soaking and and seeing what's really in the heart. And the verse that the Lord really quickened to me was Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. And it, it says there, let the man not boast, you know, the wise man boast in his wisdom or the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that they understand and know me. And you know, that, that just so quickened to me. And of course, the word know uh, is not just know about him. It is to know him by revelation intimately. And of course, that's, that's you know, happens by us opening our hearts, which in my case, you know, I had learned all my life to keep my heart shut down and disconnected. And... Uh, you know, spoke out of my head. So I, I, as a new believer, I was hungry to learn the word. And I, you know, we had a Bible school in our church. And so I'm just gobbling up information and, and studying Watchman Nee and, and uh, Andrew Murray, and I'm getting all these great messages. And I became a youth pastor. And, you know, I go to this 10 week school, Father Heart School in Indiana, and I realized very quickly that, wow, my heart is hard towards father. And it's interesting, you know, Noel Webster in his dictionary describes father as the one who gives their child significance. Father is the one who gives their child significance. So that's, that's value, that's worth and, and identity. And, you know, when you think of a mother, a mother is the one who gives 
counsel, comfort, nurture. But a father really is, is to be the visionary and, and call their children into destiny. And, um, you know, and I had a father who was basically shut down emotionally. You know, he was a, he was a World War II decorated hero. He, he was in the uh, RCAF, Royal Canadian Air Force. And, you know, but just through the trauma of going through that war and losing many of his best friends, um, his heart was shut down. And so it's the old story, you can't give what you have not received. And, and so his value up until the time I was about five years old, uh, quality time in our family was basically going to our cottage in the summer. And, you know, he'd get away from work, he'd get away from distractions. And we, we would have these amazing times um, just being together not doing anything, maybe we go fishing or just in the boat skiing or whatever, but, you know, just being together. And about the time I was six years old, everything changed. And my dad, you know, he, he be, got a very good job at a, at a stock brokerage in Toronto and became the vice president. And so work just consumed him. And of course, no time for kids. And he, he would be gone before I wake up in the morning and then he would come home after I was asleep at night. And so there, there was, he was not at my football games. He was not really involved in my life. Uh, basically my mother raised me. And, <clears throat> but all this time I'm looking for identity. You know, we are, we are born with this need to find out who am I, what am I here for, and where am I going? And, you know, um, the book that came out, The Purpose Driven Life, became a national bestseller because it really addressed that, that need within us. Rick Warren uh, published that, and, you know, it just, it just spread like crazy because that, it, that answers the question in the human heart. Who am I? What am I here for? Where am I going? So, you know, throughout my childhood, I, I just had no real direction. It was kind of like, just find out what you're supposed to do. And I mean, you know, school didn't help because here I am a right brain, right brain person. And I'm being squeezed into this box of being a left brain person. And so, you know, it's like, what, what's important in school is reading, writing, and arithmetic. And those were my worst <laughs> subjects. You know, stick me in a class of, of creativity and I would flourish. And my teachers just couldn't get over that, you know. And I, I would always get basically the same comment on my report cards. And that was, you know, Peter has incredible potential, but he never uses it. And, you know, when you when you look at uh, how people learn, um, it's, it's totally different depending on the individual. But we're all squeezed into this classroom for academics instead of, you know, discovering creativity. And 
uh, Sir Ken Robinson. I don't know if anybody's watched his TED talk on YouTube, but he, the topic of that first talk was, do schools kill creativity? And he gave the example of Gillian Lynn, who was the choreographer for uh, Cats and Phantom of the Opera, which were the longest running Broadway shows in New York. And, you know, at, at eight years old, she was, her, her mother was called by the principal of the school saying, I think you're going to have to get private education for your daughter. She can't sit still in class. And, you know, today we would say she had ADHD. Um, and so she's, you know, taken to a child psychologist. This is back in the 30s. And uh, she's taken to the psychologist. And thank God for this psychologist, because he realized within a short interview that, you know, her her being trying to squeeze into this mold uh, was was killing her creativity. And um, so after a half hour interview with with Jillian's mother, he says to her, he says, let's you and I go into the next room. And uh, I'm going to turn the radio on and just watch and see what happens. And so they go into the next room, the crack, doors cracked open. He turns on the radio as they're leaving the room and Jillian Lynn jumps out of her seat and just starts dancing to the music. And, you know, the psychologist says to her mother, he says, she, you know, she's not stupid. She's a dancer. <laughs> Put her in dance school. And so her mother enrolled her in dance school and explain to the teacher she needs to move when she's when she's learning. You can't just stick her in a chair. She, she you know, she's not going to be able to learn. So they put her in a dance school. She ended up being in the Royal Ballet. And then she started her own dance school and then choreographed two of the greatest shows on earth, so to speak. Amazing. Won all kinds of awards, was a multimillionaire. And, you know, I have a picture of her just before she was, she died and she's just radiant, just doing what she's made for. And, you know, obviously the devil's behind us doing what we're not made for, you know, doing something that's just going to earn a living, doing something you're bored at, or just do it, never, never really finding your destiny and your identity in being. And so, you know, that's the spirit of this world. We, we, the devil wants to keep us distracted. And when I, when I think about when Jesus was baptized, you know, in Matthew 3.17 there, and think about this, when the Father introduced Jesus to the world, he didn't say one thing about what he was going to do. Isn't that amazing? He spoke over his son, his true identity in being, not doing. And he said, this is my beloved son. And I love how the Passion translates that. 
in whom I have the greatest delight. Another translation says, on whom my favor rests. Another one says, he's the apple of my eye, or he's my greatest joy. No wonder Jesus, you know, was so secure that he did not, he did not sell out for somebody else's opinion. And, you know, we're, we're going to be uh, challenged through life to, to, you know, do something we're not made for. And, and, and do that because we don't know who we are apart from what we do. You know, when people come up to retirement, they, uh, I mean, I have a friend who used to travel with me in ministry team. And he was coming up to retirement and just, I could see, you know, over a whole year, uh, depression setting in. And this is somebody who, you know, probably heard me speak on the father's heart. Gosh, I don't know, probably a hundred times and was able to minister to other people. But when, when, you know, it came time for him to retire, he, he was just losing it and ended up, I mean, it's tragic. He, he locked himself in his car and he turned on the gas in the garage and killed himself. And, you know, if I would have seen him a year before that, I would have thought this guy would never do anything like that. But again, if it's just here and not here, when we're tested, we go back to, you know, what we believe in our hearts. And of course, you know, this, this needs to be what, what the father said about Jesus needs to be written on my heart. Beloved son. And, and his delight in me has nothing to do with my works. It's a gift. A friend of mine, Stephen Hill, he's just written a book called You Deserve the Love of God. You deserve the love of God. Wow. If, if I'm a father and I have children, my children deserve to be loved. So how much more God the Father wants me to be loved, be loved. And that needs to become my core identity. That is an identity in being and not in doing. But when you've, when you've been told all your life, you are what you do. You know, if I ask you today, who are you? Most people say, this is what I do. I'm a dentist, I'm a lawyer, I'm a, you know, I'm a garbage collector, I'm this, I'm that. And according to what you do, that's your value and worth. So here we are, we become Christians, and it's like we're turned upside down, which is actually right side up. No longer is my value in what I do. It is totally in who I am, apart from what I do. It is the result of what he did for me, the finished work of the cross. And I can't do anything to get him to love me more. It is finished. I am his beloved, all by grace through faith alone, not by works, 
so no man can boast. You know, this is so easy to say, but wow, it, it is revelation to the heart. I need that just as much as Jesus needed that at the beginning of his ministry. I need that every day. I am your beloved father. I belong to you. Let, let me become rooted and established in your love. You know, I, I love this prayer, which I highly recommend that, you know, Paul prayed. And obviously Paul was a human doing who collided with the grace of God on the road to Damascus. And everything turned upside down, which is actually right side up. <laughs> but he didn't get this overnight. So he prays this prayer for uh, for every single believer, Ephesians 3, 14 through, through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be rooted and established in love and may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Wow. So that is the revelation. And you know, as we went through that school in Martinsville, Indiana in 1983, and after me releasing forgiveness towards my father uh, for all the shame and the blame that came into my life, you know, the father gave me this dream which restored my faith in fatherhood. And it was simply in this dream, I haven't got time to tell the whole story, but I looked into the eyes of Abba Father. And what I looked into were eyes that were filled with unconditional love and eyes that were delighting in me. You know, if I say God loves you or he delights in you, it's a little different, isn't it? Delight really takes it up a level. And delight means the highest possible pleasure. So when I looked into the eyes of Abba Father, I saw sheer delight, which really raised this orphan Christian from, from that abandonment by my father into connection with Abba. And uh, that began, that was like dropping a big rock into a big pool and the ripple effect still is impacting my life. Okay. Something to think about and talk about. I was just saying before we started that they've proven that if, if I just sit here and lecture you, there's only 5% retention. But if you have a group discussion about what I'm talking about, 50% retention. Isn't that amazing? So enjoy your group. <laughs> so we've got 15 minutes and you'll get them. You, the, you
So, Peter, you're going to take us on to the next part now on sonship. Yeah, just getting back to that that scripture in um, Matthew 3.17. Um, as I said, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's so uh, amazing what the Father doesn't say over Jesus. And, you know, he speaks this uh, a second time, doesn't add anything to it. It's, it's just, this is, this is the value system of heaven and and what what the father's saying over Jesus in second peter it says he received glory and honor when the father spoke from heaven this is my beloved son in him i have the greatest delight and as i said you know we need to see ourselves in christ receiving that father's blessing for no other reason than we're we're his. <laughs> you know, we've, we've accepted Jesus, therefore we get every blessing Jesus has. Ephesians 1.3 says, we have been blessed, past tense, with every conceivable, in the Greek, every conceivable spiritual blessing in Christ. How many think Jesus is blessed? Can I see myself as blessed as Jesus in relationship with the Father, that I have the same favor, I have the, you know, the, the same way the Father looks at Jesus, he looks at me, beloved son. You know, perfect love doesn't love in degrees. Perfect love loves perfectly. 100%. So John 3.16, God so loved the world perfectly, the same as Jesus, he gave his only begotten son. Wow. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts and his ways above my thoughts and my ways. So somebody's got to change their mind, and it ain't going to be God. <laughs> and we know that repentance means change your mind. So, you know, the truth is, the Father loves me with all of his heart all of the time, the same as Jesus, through my mountains and my valleys, through my success, my failure, his love never changes. Is that right? It's not dependent on my performance. It is all dependent on what Jesus did for me, not what I do for him. So, you know, in that, in that dream I was talking about that I had in 1983, I realized when I looked into the eyes of Abba, that I will never be any more love than I already am. I can't add to it and I cannot take away from it that this love has been constant through my whole life, even though I didn't know it. 
you know, my life would have been so different had I known that love from, from day one. <laughs> if I would have known that I was the apple of my father's eye from day one, I would, I would, you know, probably not have got sucked into somebody else's opinion that was negative or said I needed to do something in order to be something or, you know, do something just to make money or, or whatever. So <clears throat> again, I can't stress it enough. It's if this is the most important thing, the father spoke over Jesus. Don't you think daily I should grasp that? <laughs> he didn't say, here's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He didn't say he's going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, you know, feed the hungry. He spoke the identity Jesus has in, in heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I have the greatest delight. And that sustained him through many other people's opinions. You know, some people thought he was Beelzebub. Some people thought he was Elijah. It's just incredible, you know, but sure, you know, when they laughed at him, the king of the Jews, I mean, if he would have given in to somebody else's opinion, he would have become double-minded. And we know from James 1.6 that a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. So ladies, you're, you're safe. It's just the men. <laughs> double-minded means to have two opinions or two or three or how many. And, and each one of us, you know, depending on how important that person is to us, their opinion matters. And if that's been a negative opinion and we've agreed with it in our heart, then we're going to automatically live out of that opinion, no matter what we know in our head. We live from the heart. And when we're, we're under pressure, we go back to what we believe in our heart, not our head. And so I want to get this, you know, I am the beloved of God, beloved son, the father delights in, written on my heart. That that, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what my circumstance happens, that's my default. Because when we, when we read that blessing, you know, in Matthew uh, 3.17 here, immediately, the next thing that happens when Jesus, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, is, is weak, the devil comes to him and tries to steal what the Father says. And, you know, it's, it's all about doing. And he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. Now, he, he wasn't just saying it's written somewhere. It's written on his heart. <laughs> it's written on his heart. Man does not live by bread alone, but every 
the Greek there is rhema word, every revealed word from the mouth of God. Whew. Open the eyes of our heart, Father. <laughs> Reveal your word. And then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Again, if you are the son of God, apparently in the Greek there, it's since you are the son of God, you know, do again, do something. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Notice he doesn't say, since you are the beloved son in whom the father delights, <laughs> because obviously the devil would have been jealous of this relationship the father has with Jesus. But again, it's, it's just sell out from who you really are and do something that'll make you famous. And you'll get, you'll, you'll get the approval of man. You know, at the age I am today, I suffer from a lot of aches and pains <laughs> that came from trying to get the approval of my football coach. Uh, I literally, you know, almost destroyed my body to get that pat on the back because my, my coach, if whoever made the play of the day, they were the one that, you know, stood up on a stool in, in the locker room and everybody clapped and the coach, you know, for the next week would, would sing your praises in practice. Everybody be like Peter, because look what he did last week. He almost killed himself to win that game. <laughs> but again, because I don't know who I am, I'm trying to get somebody who I respect to give me their approval. And I, I, could, I could describe myself as a kid growing up. I was an approval addict because I, I, there was such a vacuum. Who am I? And, you know, that has to do with our, our gifting, too. I mean, um, I, I want to know <laughs> who I am. And, and it was just, just this frustration that, you know, I, I got into sales. And the only reason I got into sales was I could get the pat on the back. I could sell. I can do this. And now, you know, I'm, I'm being turned right side up where it's no longer on what I can do. It is, it is what he can do through me when I'm living from approval instead of for approval. From approval instead of for approval. And again, that's put in our DNA. That's part of us within us. We're born to have approval. You know, I deserve to be loved by my parents. I deserve to be the apple of their eye. I didn't deserve to grow up in a family with a mother and father who didn't know how to affirm, who only told me what was wrong with me instead of what was right with me, who were hypercritical because they were under condemnation themselves. You know, they, that's what came out of their heart towards me. And, you know, I, I lived in this family where with my older sister, who in their eyes could do no wrong. 
But if she did something wrong, it was my fault. So it's just shame and blame and under condemnation. So no joy. <laughs> and I remember one of the first scriptures that I read, Isaiah 61, verse 7, it just jumped off the page one day where it says, instead of their shame or condemnation, my people will receive double honor. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance, and so they will inherit a double honor in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Wow. Whew, how's your joy level? <laughs> bubbly, bubbly, bubbly. <laughs> you know, heaven is full of joy. And the kingdom of heaven lives within me and you. What keeps that joy from coming out? Keep The lid is shame, condemnation. And, and a focus on who I'm not instead of who I am. Um, there's a verse here in, in the Passion, uh, Romans 8.15. I love this. It says, You did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. You will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. Wow. You know, when I, when I became a Christian, the whole focus was know your gifting, which which just put me in the performance lane. And it was all about, you know, doing what uh, you're made for. And it, it was just do, 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 do. And again, because, you know, I had a pastor who would give strokes and approval if you did well. And, you know, you, you were like the glory child. <laughs> Everybody be like him, because look what he's doing. Just, again, performance orientated. Um, you know, I, I just, again, would sell my soul to get that approval. And, man, talk about a recipe for burnout. You know, in our first five years as a Christian, we were youth pastors. I was working 12 hours a day commuting to Toronto. Um, we had a house group, we had a youth group, and, you know, and just going to meetings all the time. All, you know, to get the strokes from the from my pastor. And wow, after three years of that, I, I was just like, whoo, this is a merry-go-round. I have no joy. <laughs> I'm just burned out. And so, you know, but all because 
of shame. I'm not good enough, but if I do well, he's going to give me that approval. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're living for that, either from man or from him. He put that need within us that we receive his approval, his blessing. You know, one of the one of the words for the English words for blessing is happy. <laughs> happy. Happy. Joyful. You know, it's it's just not something that that is based on my performance. Wow, I want the joy of the Lord. It is my strength. I, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have that sense of joy, not just when everything's you know going well, but joy that lasts forever. Because I know, you know, no matter what's going on, COVID or whatever, he's never gonna leave me or forsake me. You know, I mean, worst case scenario, I'm gonna see him face to face. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> How bad is that? Then I'll have the fullness of joy. But it was such a revelation to me that heaven is just full of joy. It's just resounding joy. And, and of course, we want heaven on earth. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And, you know, I, I thought that through. It's, it's faith righteousness that gives me peace, well-being, that the fruit is joy. It's not works righteousness. And so that that is, you know, got to be deprogrammed from my life in a world that's completely works righteousness. I remember reading that verse in Ephesians 2, 8 there, you know, we are saved by grace through faith alone, not by works, so no man can boast. We're saved by grace through faith alone, but now it's learning to live by grace through faith alone, not by works, not getting under somebody else's opinion that says I need to do this in order to be this. And, and the more I do, the more I am, the less I do, the less I am. Paul called that do-do. <laughs> it's all dung. It's all a complete waste. And he said, you know, I, I counted all a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So, you know, think of what Paul came out of, the works. I mean, perfectionism as a Pharisee. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he's got everything that's needed to satisfy the law. But I count that a complete loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing heart. Eyes of my heart opened that I am his beloved just as I am, not as I should be. You know, Brendan Manning wrote a great book years ago called Abba's Child. And um, 
just going on what Deb was sharing, you know, he's got a whole chapter in there on the imposter. And, you know, he had an older brother who was, was the apple of his father's eye. And he, he was an athlete. And his father always talked about his older brother. But in his father's eyes, Brennan was just Brennan, a journalist. You know, he saw no value in that. And, and so he became the imposter to his father to try to get his father's approval. And oh my gosh, you know, these are the schemes of the devil. Talks about in Ephesians 6, we need to be aware of that, you know, for Galatians, it was, you know, coming back under the law of performance versus, you know, just the gospel of grace. <laughs> I'm saved by grace through faith alone, not by works. So we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And that's what I'm saying. You know, we we wash one another through the word. And it, it, most of preaching is just reminding us of what we already know. You know, here's here's just another statistic. You're going to forget 50% of what is said today, this is this is if you're really listening, <laughs> you're going to forget by, by the end of the day. It's going to be gone unless you remind yourself of it and talk about it and process it. But if, so, if something said today, either I'm speaking or in your group, that just kind of boing, you know, hits the mark, You'll have forgotten that by tomorrow if you do not think about it and talk about it. And, and if you really want to remember it, put it into practice. <laughs> that's, that's the big one. And then, you know, 90% memory retention is if you actually teach this to others. Isn't that amazing? So I can go from 5% just listening to me speak, or I can go to 50% talking about it in a group, or have 90% that I really process it and then I teach it to other people. Brilliant. Amazing. Brilliant. Thanks, Peter. So we'll, we'll go back into groups. I'm conscious that, okay, well, thank you so much, Peter. If we could finish with, you praying for us, that would be wonderful. Thanks, Christine. Thank you for having me. This has been a delight. Hmm. I love the uh, interaction that we can have and in a Zoom. And, you know, I, I just wanted to mention on my website, which is peterjackson.org, um, you can download a CD that is six hours long and it's called the glory of sonship. And I, I talk about the seven rules of a shame based family, which in every school I've ever done, nobody in that school cannot say, wow, that was my family. <laughs> we live, we live in a shame based world. And uh, people control by shame and parents control by shaming. And so um, 
that CD is, I think it's fourteen ninety nine Canadian, two pounds, <laughs> and you can download it off the website in the store, which it's recorded live at our school of ministry in Toronto. I catch the fire, so it's it's uh, it's really good. But let me just pray this. This is the prayer Jesus prayed, John seventeen twenty two. I have given them the glory and honor that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And again, that word glory there means view and opinion of the Father. And, and so, Father, today we want to glorify you by receiving your glory, receiving your view and opinion of each one of us. And, and I thank you today that you honor us as having priceless value because of the price paid for our salvation. Lord, forgive me where I've dishonored myself, where I've, I've said or, or even agreed with other people's opinions that would Say, I'm, I'm not good enough. Whoa. Lord, today, you can pray this after me if it applies to you. Today, I want to forgive those people who have shamed me. Who have, have competed and compared and been jealous of me. Wow. Lord, where I've been afraid to rise up because I don't want to be other people jealous of me. Wow. Or I've been afraid to, to, you know, make my gifting known that other people would criticize and be jealous. So, Father, Forgive me for in any area of my life where I, I, am, I am valuing myself according to the wrong opinion. And I forgive those peoples that spoke that over my life. Lord, I'm, I'm not competing. I'm not comparing myself with anybody. Wow. I break that witchcraft off in the name of Jesus. Where I've been bewitched by somebody else's opinion. Pressured to do something or, or be something I'm not. Father, I forgive them. And I just, I just cut off every soul tie emotionally, physically, mentally, to that opinion. In Jesus' name. Mm. Whoa. And I receive today your perfect love. Your approval. And just, just in a childlike way, just, just take the Father's opinion in our hands right now 
and take that into our heart. Oh, Father, I receive your opinion of me, that I am your beloved and you delight in me. Let that go down to the bottom of the well. Drive out every fear. That I would have peace. I would have joy. Thank you, Father. Your anointing breaks every yoke. And any yoke that I've took on from somebody else's opinion, I break it off today. Whew. Where I've blamed myself for something I should have done or should not have done. Lord, I, I release that yoke today in Jesus' name. Mm. And I come under the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. Wow. Father, give me where I've, I've lost my sense of humor. Give it back to me today. Woo! Where I've become way too serious. Whew. I receive the lightness, the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> awesome. Wow. <laughs> bubbly, bubbly, bubbly. <laughs> Oh, yes. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you, Peter. Thank you.